Good morning. A fellow by the name of James Caldermeyer has experienced mercy. As we take time this morning to stop and to think about mercy and to think about God's mercy in our lives, let's start by hearing about James and God, his experience of God's mercy in his life. I was laying in the highway. All I smelled was smoke and antifreeze. I'd had five, six, or seven drinks. We went to a few more. I was tired from working all day. My face was hurting. Didn't know what happened. Somebody saying the paramedics were coming. I felt like I was okay to drive. A woman crying out, nodding down once. I was in a sleepy state, falls into an ambulance, in and out of consciousness, rolled down the window, get some fresh air blowing in on me. Didn't know what was happening. Felt like I was in a dream. I was 21, more intoxicated. I heard another voice crossing the center line of the highway. A glimpse of my family. Total chaos, confusion. What's going on? She said, these officers need to take blood from you. become so far out of control that even I couldn't fix it now. And I remember as they as they released me from the hospital and took me into custody, getting down on my knees and crying out to God and I said, God, please help me. Please help me. feeling so bad about the situation and so bad about what had happened and and being responsible for what I was responsible for that I just didn't even really want to live. I didn't want to live no more. I didn't, I didn't want to keep, keep going forward. But when I cried out to God, He came to me in my time of need. I think some people, God reaches through subtlety and I think he's able to touch the lives of people in different ways in my instance it was it was a iron fist and, and a hard love he knew that I had to reach my bottom before I'd open my eyes I was so hard headed I just didn't want to accept him and, and when I cried out to him it was a plea of just come help me and Lord if you'll help me through this I'll you know I'll surrender and when I surrendered my life to him it just changed everything changed everything changed I 
you know, through all that happened, I lost my business, I lost my family, I lost a, a wife that I was newly wed to. I lost everything that this life had, had given me and, and I had earned in this life and on my own on my own will, but Jesus had also given me freedom from sin and freedom from um, the life that I was living through His forgiveness and His love and His grace. And if it hadn't been for His mercy and grace in my life, I'd either be dead right now or in prison somewhere, rotting away. Alcohol is not even a part of my life anymore. Um, it doesn't play any role in my life whatsoever. In fact, I was encountered with this situation shortly after my accident and accepting Christ. I knew that that Christ was real to me. I knew that He was real. When, when, when I was confronted with the single most thing that I was weak to in my life, and He gave me power over that, not in a strength that I had ever known, but strength that was new to me and I just knew it was it was God. I knew it was God. I knew he was real and I knew he had the power over sin and it was evident in my life. My name is James Taltemeyer and I am saved. James was talking about mercy. And today I want us to think about God's mercy. God's mercy to us. God's mercy shown to us. But we also think about it in the context of all of God's character. Of who He is and what He does. And where does that mercy come from? That mercy comes from God. But something else comes from God too. We think of uh, God. God is love. And love, we experience love in our lives as well. And that word love rolls off our tongue pretty easily. We say, I, I love that new sushi place just around the corner. Or, did you see that Kelly Leach video that dropped a couple weeks ago? Didn't you love that one? I guess a few of you saw it anyway. Um, it was kind of interesting. I, I still love the Red Wings, even as we sink down to the bottom of the league and even uh, struggle to outdo the, the Canucks uh, in, in our efforts to reach the bottom. So I'm there with you folks. I really am. I understand the, the pain. And yet, there's different aspects to our love. You know, you, you say, I love my wife. Hi, Lydia. But is that the same as loving the Red Wings or loving the new sushi place? It's not really. There's something different about it. There's something that is more deep-seated in that sort of feeling. And the Bible talks to us about love. And it gives some focus for our love. And we're looking again at Micah chapter 6, verse 8. And just to, show, just to 
to go over that verse just once again. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. So if you remember a few weeks ago, we looked at acting justly, what it means to act justly. So today I want us to talk and think about what does it mean to love mercy? Let's take a close look at these two words, love and mercy. The first word is love. Love. We are to love mercy. And what does that mean? What does that mean when we say we are to love mercy? Well, one of the ways to discern what a word means when it's used in the Bible is to look at what it, how it's used in other places. So let's do that. One example of that is in Genesis chapter 29, verse 20, when uh, it's talking about Jacob and his feelings towards Rachel. And it says, so Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. That was the, the deep-seated emotion that he had, the feeling that he had for Rachel, that he was willing to work seven years to, uh, to be able to marry Rachel. And it, and it seemed to just pass as a few days because his love for her was so strong. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. You see the force there. Everything you have goes into that love that we should have for God. We are to love your neighbor as yourself in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, and repeated by Jesus as well for us. We are to love our neighbors as ourselves and to put it in a different context. This is talking about how God loves us. And He says, He, God, will love you and bless you and increase your number. So the way love is used in these four passages is what it is talking about when it says we should love mercy. The same way God loves us is the way we should love mercy. The same way we should we love God with all our heart, all our soul, and our strength. That same word is what we should do with mercy. We should love mercy. And so this is the Bible gives us this as an example of how love is such a strong emotion and how it goes to the very core of our being. It's not a simple thing, but a deep, life-changing kind of love. We are to love mercy. If you love God, you'll want to serve Him and do everything that pleases Him. We might even say that the, when, when we look at love and we look at how the Bible uses love, we might even say that it's a radical, almost fanatical kind of love. It's not just uh, something that's a, a casual kind of thing, but it's a a radical kind of thing. Think of how much God loves us. Think of what God does for us because He loves us. He sends His Son for us. His Son who leaves His place in heaven and comes down and lives on earth and experiences all that we experience, that's because God loves us. But His Son doesn't just come to live on earth, but He comes to die here on earth for us. This is a pretty radical love. God's Son didn't just come to earth to hang out with us, but He came to earth to sacrifice Himself for us. That's a radical kind of love. And in turn, we are to love God in response in the same kind of way, in a radical 
life-changing and life-guiding way. We will do whatever God tells us we should be doing. Even loving our enemies. Sharing the Gospel with others around us. Stepping outside of our comfort zone. Going to the ends of the earth with the good news of Jesus Christ. These are radical demonstrations of the radical love we should have for God. That's what God wants from us. Some kind of radical love. A fanatical love. Have you ever met a real fanatic about something? Their love for it is so great that their whole life seems to revolve around what that one thing is. Maybe you can think of someone that you know. Maybe, maybe you're thinking even of yourself. Someone who's so fanatical about something that, that your whole life becomes consumed with that one thing. And it starts to look at times maybe even a little bit unhealthy. Kind of an unhealthy kind of love. I had a friend once who went through a number of these fanatical sort of phases. When I first met him, he was into skateboarding. So his response to that fanaticism about it was to build a half pipe. Then he moved on to music. And pretty soon his house was filled with musical equipment. And then it was photography and his house was filled with photographic equipment. And it was just moving from one to another. There was all kinds of stuff around. Then he was into mixed martial arts. So he was into bodybuilding. That's what he was doing all the time. He was working out all the time. And that was the, the last time I saw him. Was That was when he was in that phase of mixed martial arts. I think there was a church phase in there somewhere as well when he was pretty radical, but that kind of faded as well. But that's not the kind of fanaticism, the kind of radical love that God wants us to have. He wants us to have a consistent, ongoing love. Not something that we go into, we rush into, and we do everything like that for a while until something else comes along. But God wants us to have that kind of love that lasts, endures, and keeps going. And this is one of the things that God wants us to love is mercy. And that's the, the kind of fanatical person, the fanatical follower of Jesus we should be is that we are holding on to these things. We are grabbing hold of mercy. We are loving mercy. And it is something that we experience in our lives day by day. We know it. And we live it out. We love mercy. The second word in this is mercy. So the first thing we are to do, the first is love, then we put it together. It comes together with mercy. So the mercy becomes the object of our love. So we love mercy. That's the focus. Of it. And that's what God wants from us. Remember the first part of this, this passage. It's a question. There's a question is raised. What does God require of me? What does He want from me? And the writer goes in his emotions and, and his maybe even it seems a bit of frustration. He says, what does God want from me? I don't know. He says, does He want year old calves? Is that what God wants from me? Should I bring these calves and sacrifice them to God? What about, 10, 000, or what about thousands of rams? 
What if I bring thousands of rams to God? Will that please Him? What about 10,000 rivers of oil? Maybe that would please God. And maybe, maybe what I need to bring is my firstborn child. Maybe that would please God. And the answer comes back, and it's this passage, Micah 6.8. It says, no, don't do any of those things. The answer is justice, mercy, and humility. Those are the things that God wants from us. Those are healthy obsessions we should have in our life, is showing just, acting justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly before God. We are to value these things. Let them fill our lives. And let it overflow to others around us. So we are to love mercy. But what is mercy? What is mercy? A very simple definition of mercy is mercy is where we don't get what we truly deserve. James gave a testimony that we saw about God's mercy. He experienced forgiveness. Hopefully you caught that in his testimony there. He had caused, he was drunk, he caused an accident where some people lost their lives. What did he deserve? He did seven years in prison. Was that enough for taking someone's life because of a of a of having too many drinks before he was driving? But he experienced forgiveness and he experienced freedom. He didn't deserve that, but he got it because of God's mercy. So mercy is where we don't get what we truly deserve. Another way to look at mercy is from Albert Barnes who wrote a commentary on this passage many years ago and he said, justice is what right requires. Mercy is what love requires. Mercy and love from God go together, but then that love is also joined with mercy where we are to love mercy. Maybe we've all experienced mercy in our lives at one point or another. God's mercy, maybe mercy in some other way. Think about it for a minute. Think about when you have experienced mercy. Maybe from God. Maybe you've experienced in a human way, kind of way. I had an experience of mercy when I was in seminary. That was a few years ago now. But I was in seminary and I, had, uh, I was reaching the end of my seminary studies and I was taking uh, one course in particular. <coughs> and I had, uh, I had thought I'd done pretty well in the course. And, I, you know, and I'd been in school long enough that I knew uh, pretty well how I should be doing in a course. I knew I had a pretty good grasp of the subject matter and I had done some papers. My papers had turned out pretty well. So it came to the final exam time. And I wrote the final exam and thought, yeah, that had, that gone, had gone pretty well. The questions, uh, there, were, there were four questions on the exam, or I did four questions on the exam, and I thought three of them I knew cold. The other one I was a little bit iffy on, but I thought, well, three of them I'm really going to nail. One of them is, gonna be, is, is, is probably going to be pretty good. I should end up with a pretty good mark on the exam. So did the exam, came out feeling pretty good. I got the exam back, and the mark was really not very good at all. And I thought, what happened? So I, I opened the exam, I had the exam paper, I opened it up, I looked at the marks for each of the questions I did, and everything looked okay. 
that I got pretty good marks on each of the questions, and I thought, this, does, this doesn't add up. You know, it doesn't add up to my final mark for my exam. And I thought, well, sometimes the teachers make mistakes in adding, so I checked, and it, 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 it just didn't make sense. And I got looking closer at the exam question paper. And what he had asked us to do was to, to answer the first question and four other questions. What I had done was simply answered four questions. The first question and three others. So I didn't do the whole exam. So I went to the professor and I said, look, this is, this is what happened. I just made a mistake. And he's like, yeah, but you, didn't you read the instructions? That's not my, he's like, that's not my problem. That's yours. You didn't read the instructions. I asked you to do the first question and four others. You did the first question and three others. And I said, isn't there something we can do here? Because I was doing pretty well. And he said, yeah, I, I noticed. He said, I noticed this is going to impact your mark. And he said, I tell you what you do. Take one of those questions. Go and write a, I forget what it was, a five or a ten page paper on one of those questions. Hand it in to me and then we'll, we'll talk again about what, what your final mark is going to be. So he accepted, in the end he accepted that. He took a little, a few points off my overall mark. But he showed mercy. Did I deserve that? No. I didn't read the question properly. That was my mistake. I didn't deserve to do as well as I did. But he had mercy on me. And I was thankful for that. And as, I was in my, as, as time went on and I got to be a, a teacher, I tried to have a bit of mercy on my students because that one, uh, that memory of that always uh, reminded me. But mercy is when, where we don't get what we truly deserve. We experience that in our lives from time to time. But we can see two sides to this mercy. One is as we love mercy... In the sense that we love receiving mercy. I really appreciated that professor having mercy on me and receiving that mercy. But the other side of mercy is we should love mercy as we extend it to others. If we simply extend mercy without extending it, we aren't truly and fully loving mercy ourselves. If we just take mercy and don't give it, that's not truly loving mercy. Truly loving mercy means that we receive mercy in our lives, but we also extend it to others. So we experience, first we experience mercy. This is an idea that we are familiar with. We know this because of our sin. Because of our sin, we deserve to experience the wrath of God, the punishment of God. And that punishment is the eternal separation of us from God, but that's not the end of the story. Because there is gospel, there is good news, and here it is in 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made Him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. So God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us. Yes, Jesus was sinless. As hard as that is for us to imagine, Jesus walked on this earth for His 35 years or so and never sinned. If we're honest with ourselves, that's a really hard thing for us to grasp. Because we know we struggle to go one minute, two minutes, five minutes without sinning. 
And yet Jesus lived His whole life without sinning. And so Jesus had no sin. And yet He became sin for us. He was sin for us. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us. What does that mean? Jesus took that punishment for our sin. That was the cross. Jesus becoming sin for us. He wasn't punished for His sin. He wasn't punished for the things that He had done wrong. He was punished for my sin, for yours. He took that sin on Himself and He endured that punishment that we deserved. That's mercy. So we start to see mercy there. We don't get what we deserve. We deserve punishment for our sin. Jesus takes that punishment for us. And God no longer sees us. He sees Jesus kind of in between us and Him. You can think of it as though when God looks at us, Jesus steps in between and says, no, don't look at them. Look at Me. Jesus took that punishment for us. And it's because of God's mercy. What we deserved, Jesus got. But it doesn't just happen automatically. Jesus invites us to come to Him and accept that gift of mercy. We need to come to Jesus, recognize our sin, and recognize our need for a Savior, and we throw ourselves on the mercy of God. But we often don't have a big problem with this. We are glad to receive that something for free. We want to receive mercy. We don't want that judgment. But where does this mercy come from? Where does this mercy come from? And what would motivate God to grant us mercy? It's because He loves us. In the famous verse, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have eternal life. It starts with God so loved the world. This mercy flows out of God's love. It's part of the very character of God. He is love. And that love extends mercy to us. The prophet Micah sees this. At the end of the book of Micah in chapter 7, verses 18 and 19, he says, Who is a God like you who pardons sins and forgives the transgression of the remnant of His inheritance? You do not stay angry, but delight to show mercy. You you will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. This is good news. This is exciting for us. God shows mercy to us. And He doesn't just do it grudgingly. He doesn't do it sparingly. But He delights to show us mercy. This is exciting stuff that God delights to show us mercy. But sometimes we have problems accepting that mercy. Really accepting that mercy and letting it come into our hearts and our souls and our being. It's hard to believe that God would do something like that for us. And so we get stuck in our sin. We think, how can God ever forgive me? How can I experience that mercy when I'm such a great sinner? And we don't have freedom from the guilt that comes with our sin because we haven't fully embraced the mercy of God. But if we really know that our sins, as it says, our iniquities have been hurled into the depths of the sea, 
We don't really accept that. And as God hurls our iniquities into the depths of the sea, we go out there with a net. And we throw our net out into the depths of the sea and we grab hold and we pull those sins back up to our lives. God's throwing them away, but we are the ones. And Satan is the one who throws that net in and pulls it up and says, remember that time you did that. Remember when you did that. Don't you remember? Pull those sins back in and chew on them for a while. And we don't experience God's mercy fully the way we should. Part of really experiencing that mercy is to have that freedom from the guilt of our sin. We might accept that Jesus paid the price for our sin, but we hold on to that guilt. And that's not really loving mercy. If we really love mercy, we would let it come into us and fully change us. As we come to the Lord's table in a few minutes as part of our service today, it's a reminder of God's mercy to us. So we need to accept that mercy from God. That's part of loving it, is really accepting it in our own lives. The second part of loving mercy is then to show it to others. Showing mercy to others. There's lots of mercy to go around. We don't have to worry about drying up the mercy supply. We need to show mercy to others. This is important. James tells us in James chapter 2, verse 12 to 13, in the context of how we relate to others, and James is talking here specifically about how uh, we relate to other Christians and others around in the world. Uh, this isn't talking about how God relates to us. And James says, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment in our lives and in our world. And so, again, just a reminder here, James is talking to Christians about how they relate to other people in the world. And he says, our mercy should triumph over judgment. And he, he says, judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. He's telling us in a way that what goes around comes around. If you don't show mercy to others, then why would you expect others to show mercy to you? If we show judgment without mercy, we too will be shown judgment without mercy. That seems pretty straightforward. If we want mercy in our own lives, if we want others to grant us mercy and extend mercy to us, we have to start out by showing mercy to others. So he's not talking about our eternal destiny here. He's talking about how we relate to one another. And then in, in the end, God will reward those who get it right. But mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy is the, is the thing that is most important here. And we read and we hear about challenges to us. Challenges that challenge us about showing mercy. There was a, an American, a, an African-American writer by the name of Ross Gay, and he's not, a, he's not a Christian, but he wrote about how society needs to show mercy. And he's speaking specifically about the American situation, but I, seem, I think it applies to us as well. And he writes in his article on mercy, and I think it's so fitting. He says, but what if we acknowledged these fears? 
regardless of how shameful they are? What if we acknowledge this country's terrible and ongoing history of imagining its own citizens, indigenous, black, Japanese-American, Arab-American, Latino, as monsters? What if we acknowledge the drug war and the resulting mass incarceration of African-Americans and the myriad of intermediate crimes against citizens and communities as a product of our fears? And what if we thereby had to reevaluate our sense of justice and the laws and procedures and beliefs that constitute it? What if we honestly assessed what we have come to believe about ourselves and each other and about those belie- how those beliefs shape our lives? He's talking about how we interact with others around us and reshaping them, our, our attitudes and our views of others around us. And he says, what if we did it? What if we reshaped our views with generosity and forgiveness? What if we did it with mercy? What if we did it with mercy? Challenging how we view others around us, others in our society, others we walk with day by day, shoulder to shoulder, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our schools. What if we showed mercy to them? Interesting, this is a secular writer writing this. But this is a strongly, firmly biblical concept of how we live our life. Living it, showing mercy to others around us. How can we show mercy to those in need around us? We can start just by giving our money. There's lots of need around us. There's lots of need in this city. There's lots of need in the world. We can't give people eternal life, but we can show mercy to them, helping with them here on earth. We have a charity fund here at the church that we can contribute to that shows mercy. When people are in times of need, we can show mercy to them in a financial kind of way. There's lots of ways we can do that. And that's good. It's a start. But we should also think about how can I be make it more personal by giving our, my time. Actually going and lending a hand and walking side by side with those who need mercy. I know this can be hard to do. It can be really challenging to us. But going and helping out at Jacob's Well or go down to UGM sometime. Talk to them. See how you can help. Lend a hand. Get in there and do something. Find a place that needs your help. And lend a hand. And then, if we really get into it, we can encourage others then also to be showing mercy. So we start by giving our money, then we can give our time, and then we can be encouraging others to show mercy as well. When you do that, you'll be a blessing and you'll be blessed by it. By showing mercy. So God's Word calls us to love mercy. To experience it in our own lives and to share it with others. That means we give and receive mercy as we walk day by day with Jesus. The receiving can be easy. The giving sometimes can be hard. But this is a challenge that God has called us to. We need to be ones that show mercy. Warren Wearsby said the most miserable person in the world, or the most miserable prison in the world is the prison we make for ourselves when we refuse to show mercy. Let our lives be full of mercy and grace. Showing the Gospel to those around us in the world. Let's pray. 
Lord in heaven, You have shown us mercy. We have experienced Your grace and mercy. Lord, help us to show mercy around to others around us. Help us to have that mercy, to experience that mercy in our own lives and let it fill us and overflow in us to others around us. Lord, You are a God of mercy. Help us to love mercy as well. Help us to have it in our lives and to share it with others around us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.